Welcome to The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at starting and growing a consumer packaged goods business. I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. I'm a New York City area-based consultant, and I've advised and had key roles in not only my own brands, but with dozens of others as well. My main objective is to help you avoid the many mistakes I've made or been witness to in my 10-plus years as an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for episode five. I've been grateful for the responses that you've all sent via Instagram and email. It's really nice to know that all the work we put into this podcast is serving so many of you. So please make sure you share this podcast with everyone you know, but especially those people who want to start, have started, or are growing their businesses. Today, we are getting into the nitty gritty when it comes to money. When you start a business, you hear the dreaded word, fundraising. It requires you to ask other humans for money, which can be the scariest thing some of us have ever had to do. I remember when my partner at Nibmore uttered these words. I remember sweating a lot. Who did I know with any money? I felt like I knew no one with money. For those of you who have heard my story before, when I started Nibmore Chocolate, I was doing a show on Broadway. I knew nothing about raising money. When we started asking people, my partner went to people with such ease. I was in complete amazement, and I was also super intimidated, but I knew I had to pull my weight. So I sucked it up and started asking my family and friends. And you know what? Some of them put money into my company. I was amazed. I read a few blogs, came up with a way to ask, and started asking. Lo and behold, we raised the rest of our round with a motley crew of artists. (laughs) I was astonished. I didn't know much back then. I didn't know any of the terminology. And for years, I kind of faked it, thinking I'd get to Google the terms later. But I was busy making chocolate bars like Willy Wonka, you know? I didn't have a whole lot of time. So that is what this episode is all about. I want to take the confusion out of all of this. I want to demystify it and help you understand if you really need money and if you do, how to do that. So in this episode, we are going to cover the kinds of funding that's available to you. Let's get a few basic definitions out of the way before getting into the different kinds of funding options there are. First, what's the difference between a startup and a small business? I hear these words interchanged between inexperienced entrepreneurs all the time. If you are a small business, your intent is to be your own boss, and you generally have the idea that your business will stay local. These businesses are typically small, and when someone invests in it, there isn't usually a big payday or huge upside when and if all is said and done. If you are a startup, you have the intention of eventually becoming very large. These businesses tend to need a lot of capital up front to become real companies. They need cash to sustain growth prior to ever being profitable. And without it, most of these businesses will die. So figure out which you are. When we started Nibmore, I thought we were a small business and everyone else thought we were a startup. Because of my naivety, 
I was taken on a wild ass ride. Not one I regret, but ultimately one I wish I had been more prepared for. It wasn't until much later that I finally understood why everyone looked at me like I had five eyeballs when I kept suggesting we do a farmer's market. (laughs) So make sure you and everyone who is part of your team is thinking of your business in the same way. Let me expand on this. So everyone else at Nibmore saw it as a national brand, a brand that would be sitting on thousands of store shelves, a brand that would require a lot of capital. I, on the other hand, for about the first year or two, saw it as a small business. I thought we would be in local stores, maybe have a small presence online. Now, to be fair to myself, we all have to remember I was making chocolate for like 16 hours a day. I couldn't really see how big it could be until I wasn't making the product anymore. I think I understood it better when I went to one of my co-manufacturers and ordered a half a million pieces of our Daily Dose of Dark product. That helped me figure out that we weren't small. (laughs) But until then, I just believed it was small and I couldn't understand why we kept running out of money. Because we needed a lot of money to get to that national brand status everyone else was going after. So you can see how knowing which you are is really important. Next distinction to clear up before we get into this is accredited versus non-accredited investors. In the United States, to be considered an accredited investor, one must have a net worth of at least $1 million, excluding the value of one's primary residence, or have an income of at least $200,000 each year for the last two years, or $300,000 combined income if you're married. And then you have to have the expectation to make that same amount in the year that you're investing. Anyone who doesn't fit under that definition is a non-accredited investor. You can have up to 35 non-accredited investors. So think about your friends and family around. And that means you'll have to go through putting a bunch of disclosure information into your investment documents. I know that sounds like a hassle, but any savvy lawyer in your space should have boilerplate language for this. There are a bunch of different places to raise money for your business. My intention here is to give you the high-level overview so you can start figuring out where you are as a business and which types of capital to go after. This is not meant in any way, shape, or form to answer all of your questions, but rather to get you moving in the right direction so you don't waste time and money. I have often found that when people are wasting time, they are often wasting money as well. Also, I know there are probably going to be some listener questions after this. You can email me and my team at heatherkterry.com or head over to anchor.com where this podcast is hosted and you can leave me a message or a voicemail. So let's get to it. First line of defense is putting your own money in. (laughs) After that, your first option is friends or family. This is who you can go to if you either don't have the cash yourself to even start or you've exhausted your own funds and need a little extra. These are people you know, but remember, they are people who probably will only invest once and that they will likely have zero resources for you to pull from aside from the money they are giving to you. These are the believers from your own personal network and are oftentimes the reason most businesses make it past proof of concept. These are sometimes the most difficult people to approach. Don't worry. In next week's episode, I'm going to talk about how I wrote a script that made me feel comfortable 
and also took the pressure off anyone I was talking to about investing. Second option is accelerators and incubators. These are extremely helpful in the early stages of starting and running a business. These groups are going to provide money, yes, but they are also going to provide access. Access to services and resources like mentors, advisors, accountants, lawyers, consultants, etc. However, they are highly competitive and less than 1% of all businesses that apply for these accelerators and incubators actually get accepted to them. There are also smaller amounts of money involved here. The highest I've seen is $250,000 in investment for which you have to give up equity or part of your ownership. So really weigh the cost of what you are getting for what you are paying. And what I mean by this is that you'll have to go through a process, which will take a lot of time. You will have to give up equity, etc. So how many resources and how much access are you actually getting to make this option worthwhile? Now, I'm not shitting on this option. I know it has worked for a lot of companies, but make sure you are really getting what you want and need. Some more well-known accelerators are Springboard by Kraft Heinz and the Chobani Incubator Program. The third option is angel investors and angel networks. These are individually wealthy individuals who invest their own money in startups. I have worked with several angels in businesses, and I have also been one myself. I have mainly seen angels in early stage companies invest up to about a million dollars. So not as small as some of the friends and family and accelerators, but not huge in the grand scheme of things. However, I have seen angels keep businesses afloat. Some are one-time investors, while others will stick with you and get your business to a more viable position. These individuals can be difficult to find if you aren't super connected in business, but there are networks of them. We've posted a list that is friendly to female entrepreneurs, in particular to the heatherkterry.com website on the podcast page under episode five, because we like you. If you are a little further along, then you'll be looking at the next few types of investment options. The first and one I get the most questions about is VCs or venture capitalists. These are institutional investors, and though there are many different types of VCs, the two things to know about anyone looking at your company or anyone you are pursuing is if they are an early stage fund or a growth fund. These funds can usually fund you for the long term or have access to networks that can help you find more money down the road. They can have some great resources, but some don't. The most disappointing thing I've seen from VCs is promises of resources with no actual delivery on them. This leaves entrepreneurs who thought they were going to get some help with an empty bag in their hand. So I always say to those looking to take an investment from anyone really to talk to others who have worked with that group that you're speaking to. Make sure again that you will get everything being promised to you. Let me create an analogy here with dating. Seems unrelated, but it isn't. Think about the first date you go on with someone. They seem amazing. They are saying all the right things. You think, wow, this could be it. It's the same thing with investors. Everyone is talking. Everyone is saying the right things until they aren't. So not to burst anyone's bubble, but just take a breath when you are having these discussions. 
Most of these discussions will go nowhere for a variety of reasons, and most of them aren't personal. Most of them. But I do know some investors who simply have decided not to invest because of one of, for instance, the founders not being someone they wanted to deal with, which, by the way, is totally their prerogative. Don't be the person who is talking about marriage after the first date. Desperation is not a good look for anyone. There are plenty of fish in the sea. And just as it was finding the love of your life, the fund who is really the one is probably not the first fund you speak with. A few more things about venture capital. Venture capitalists need to see a lot of traction. Let me be more specific. In consumer packaged goods, they need to see sales, real sales. Most funds will let you know what kind of sales numbers they are looking for. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. The numbers they say are the numbers they mean. Those are the types of companies they're looking for. VCs usually require a long due diligence process. Simply put, they want to look through your stuff. They want to see all your sales, financials, contracts, intellectual property, everything. Most companies build a data room. Mostly I've seen these in Dropbox because it's affordable and so many companies already use the platform so it's easy. You can put a lot of stuff in there and it can take all different kinds of formats. But dealing with VCs and ultimately being funded by one takes a really, really long time. So if you're looking for venture capital now or think you might want to in the future, know that it takes a while to get in bed with a fund. So start early. Start way earlier than you think. Start building everything six months before you were even going to go out for money. I promise you will thank me. VCs also want to be involved. So when you're out there dating them, figure out if this is someone you want calling you on the weekend or if it's someone you want to have to email on your honeymoon. Yeah, that's me. Or two days after childbirth. Yeah, that's me again. That actually happened to me, both of those things. I'm not joking. So really, seriously, everyone, figure out if that's what you really want from the people that you're talking to, okay? Do me that favor. Um, also note, if the fund you work with decides not to participate round after round of funding, that can send a bad message to outside investment partners. So make sure that the fund is planning to help you out long-term or is clearly out in the community as an early stage fund. It can very negatively impact your image and whether or not another fund is willing to invest later. Okay, so I know we've talked about VCs for a little while, but there are a few other options to consider. And those include accredited investor crowdfunding, consumer crowdfunding, and grants. Accredited investor crowdfunding usually happens online, and they pool together groups of investors to make larger investments in startups. These are equity deals. So again, you are giving up a percentage of your company. These funds are comprised of groups, so you don't have 100% control in terms of who gets to make the investment and who doesn't. You could have a pool of three investors or 15, so it can be a little confusing. Usually, you won't be talking to all of these people individually, but I don't know. Something about a person I don't really know being on my cap table seems strange to me, but to each his own. These investments, similar to VCs, can take a long time to get. So starting early with a group like CircleUp or AngelList is good to do. Start at the same time that you start putting things together for institutional money, and we'll talk about how to start getting ready in general for everyone next week. 
Consumer crowdfunding are things like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Consumers pre-buy your product, mainly to fund your inventory and operating expenses, and they get either just your hyped up product, or in some instances, you give them a bonus or a special gift, or even a discount for getting in early. Beta Brands does this exceptionally well. Everyone should go follow them on Instagram and see how they are doing this because it's it's a fantastic example. The plus side in doing this kind of funding is that you don't have to give up any equity. The downside is that these campaigns have to be very engaging because there is an extremely competitive landscape for consumer crowdfunding. It's another thing in an already overstimulated marketplace. So you need to come out with a great campaign. And this can be very time consuming and even expensive. Grants. I won't say much here because I'm not a big expert. I've seen grants written for certain businesses, but they take a lot of time and the person writing them really has to know what they're doing. If this is a path you are interested in, you should go find an expert grant writer and pay them as they are difficult to get. It could be money well spent. That was just a lot of info, I know, especially if some of it is new to you. Don't fret. You can listen to this podcast as many times as you need to, and the blog this week will have full written breakdown. That's why this topic is being broken down into several episodes. I know just how overwhelming this money stuff can be. Now that we are all on the same page about the types of funding available, next week we are going to discuss different stages of capital fundraising the different financing instruments that can be used when raising money, and how you know if you are ready, which is the really big question. We'll discuss why next week, because there is nothing worse than raising money and not wanting to deal with the implications of that money. With money comes tremendous responsibility. Remember, the fifth palette almost killed me always comes out on Tuesday afternoons. To get past and current business templates and tools, go to my website at heatherkterry.com and sign up for our newsletter. If you have an idea or question for the podcast, go over to anchor.com or download the Anchor app where this podcast is hosted. And what's really cool is that you can leave me a voicemail question or an idea. It's really neat. Check it out. There are no bad ideas or suggestions, and I want to know what you need. So get over there and let me know. We want to hear from you. Now, Get out there and do something to move your business forward, like considering what kind of money you need to raise. Till next time.